Hello, and welcome to another episode of JavaScript Jabber. On our panel today, we have Dan Shapir. Hello from Tel Aviv. Steve Edwards. Hello from Portland. Myself, coming from Nashville as usual. And our guest today is Laura Harvey. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hey, yeah. So I'm Laura from the UK. I'm currently a software engineering student and avid career switcher. Avid career switcher. Leveling up is important. I spend at least an hour every day learning ways I can improve my business or take a break and listen to a good book. If you're looking to level up, I recommend you start out with the 12-week year as a system to plan out where you want to end up and how to get the results you want. You can get it free by going to audibletrial.com slash code. That's audibletrial.com slash code. So we were talking a little bit about this before. Definitely give us like an intro into what you used to do before. What made you decide to, you know, give this a go? Yeah, so I've always felt like I wasn't fulfilled in my job. So I've switched loads. So started off working in McDonald's, did that for a couple of years while I was in college. And then I went and worked with adults with disabilities, then children with disabilities. And then I moved into payroll and HR. And I guess I stayed there for quite a few years doing different jobs and mostly focused on the system side of payroll and HR, you know, making sure that the systems were working correctly, but not very techy at all. And uh, in May this year, I got a new job as a consultant. So it was basically going out and implementing the software and teaching clients how to use it. And by sort of mid-May, I was bored already. So I started to look online for courses to keep me entertained. And that's when I came across a free five-day challenge. It was like a coding challenge with Code Institute. And I just basically fell in love with it and then moved on to free code camp. And that led me to want to go to boot camp. Awesome. Ah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Dan. Oh, no. So I just wanted to, to make sure that I follow. So what you're saying is that you literally had no programming background whatsoever before you started that. No, none at all. Um, I knew it was something that I was interested in, but I just felt like you needed a degree or to study very heavily in order to get sort of move into the tech industry. So, so no, no experience whatsoever. That's awesome. Oh, Oh, we keep bumping each other. I I just wanted to ask if like growing up when you were a teen or, or, uh, during your college days, uh, were you into stuff like maybe gaming or were you online a lot, social networks, etc., or, or or not? No, not at all. I mean, when I was in school, me and my friend would lock ourselves in his room pretty much all summer and play Theme Hospital. But that's as far as gaming went for me. I think as a teenager, I was quite into design, but it never progressed into anything more than that. And I, I use technology just in my day-to-day work, but I was never really obsessed with it. You know, it wasn't something that I did as a hobby. That's interesting because I know, like for me, kind of the same thing. I didn't even have a computer when I was starting teaching myself to program or like my own computer. And like you, you hear people who kind of like 
you know, started, you know, messing around with MySpace or or that kind of thing, like way back when, and then, you know, fell out and then fell back in. And But I would say that seems to be more often the case. You don't hear a lot of people who are like first discovering it for the very first time later in life. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm 29. So to discover something new at 29, I almost felt like it wasn't going to happen for me. And I just thought I would be bored forever. But then when I started the free code camp and 100 days of code, you know, I was on Twitter and I was following people who had made the career switch later in life. And it was really inspiring. And that definitely encouraged me to to continue with it. Good. Kind of the same case for me. I uh, I think I talked about it on an episode not too, not too long ago. We used to listen to somebody named Katrina Owen and she was an acrobat before she got into programming. And I always thought that was super cool. Do you think that it was more, I'm kind of curious, do you think you didn't really consider it because of maybe the reasons you were mentioning about, you know, just, you know, you thought you'd have to go to school and all that? Or do you think it's more a case of like, it wasn't really something that was discussed for you growing up with your family or or something like that? Yeah, um, I think it's both. I think in school, when I did IT, it was like the first few years where IT had actually been introduced into senior schools and examinations. So my exam for IT in school was to build a website using PowerPoint. So that's like the extent of IT in school. And and I know my friend who I grew up with, he is a back-end programmer. And, you know, so obviously something clicked for him, but I wonder if that's because he's male. And generally, um, I think, you know, that females in the tech industry is still oh what's the word it's there's still not much diversity in the tech industry and I think I read an article recently about that the women in tech the number is actually declining rather than increasing so yeah it's definitely something that I've never been encouraged to look into and also myself I knew that I wasn't good at, at studying I'd attempted uni twice before and and sort of quit after a year because it just wasn't what I expected at all. So I didn't want to go through that again. I'd love for you, if you can, based on like what you were just sharing, if you if there are like other, you know, women out there who are considering this, like, have you had a positive experience? Are there things that you wish were different? Like, by and large, how's your experience been? Would you encourage other women to do it? Or would you, are, are there things that have not been good? Yeah, there are things that have not been good, but I wouldn't discourage. I'd really like to, once I get sort of deeper into my career, to to make a point of encouraging women and girls to get into tech. Um, I think for me, I've just, it's been the last few weeks, I've had a couple of negative comments on Twitter where they've said that my success is due to my good looks. And I think that makes me feel really uncomfortable because to me, the two are completely unrelated. And I uh, that's not the, the way that I see myself. And I think that's still a view, you know, that there are companies where if you're a, a woman in a senior leadership position, people assume that you've perhaps been promiscuous in order to get there. And I think that 
that view is going to be hard to sort of iron out. But overall, a really positive experience. And, you know, even when I've I've spoken about these negative comments on, on social media, people have been so supportive and said, you know, no, Laura, I, I follow you because you share X, Y, Z content. Um, and they say, you know, don't stop. And they keep encouraging. So, yeah, I, I really want to see more women get into tech. I have to say that you're keeping your cool about this much more than than I. Well, no, nobody would blame me for being handsome, but you're keeping your cool about this much more than I. I mean, when I saw that comment that was made, uh, these comments, I saw some of these comments that were made towards you and it really, really upset me a lot uh i, I it, it just shocks me that that people in this some people in this industry i say i guess people in general but also in this industry feel like it's a legit it's a legitimate way to express themselves uh, i just don't get it literally upset me a, a lot uh and I, just, I i i have to say that i actually invite i'm the one who invited you on the show and and i I kind of encountered you through uh, the, the, your online presence, through the fact that you're documenting your journey and that you're encouraging other people, other women, but other people in general to pursue a similar path. And I, I found that to be very uplifting and, and encouraging. And, and like I said, when I saw comments like those, it, it really upset me a lot. Thank you. Yeah, it it was really hard and I think it's struck a chord with me and, and people were saying, you know, ignore it, but it, but you need to call it out, I think. I think it's important that we start saying, you know, this isn't right. You can't say this to, to females, you know, and I don't think any of my male counterparts would have encountered such comments, you know, um, and people sort of, even after my original post where someone had asked me whether my following was grown on good looks or content, um, and one of the replies to that thread was that it impacts my branding negatively if I call out these people. Um, And that just says, everything to me you know that that we've still got a lot of work to do because if somebody doesn't want to perhaps hire me or follow me because I call out these people then um then they're not really people that I want to know or or associate with so yeah yeah I understand the feeling I've had people accuse me of getting jobs for my incredible good looks over the years too and (laughs) anyway I'm kidding I I worry Steve like separate things like not just women but I don't know Maybe it's for another time. Like there's ageism also, but maybe yeah. we'll talk about that later. I um, mean, I've never understood this. You know, I've I've watched, sort of sat back and watched and and attacks that women get for being in IT. And yeah, you know, I think back over my career over 25, you know, 25 years, and some of the best coworkers I've ever had, the people that I keep in touch with this day, have been women. And yep. you know, I just had one email from a former job, go to her employer and say, hey, we need to hire this guy. He's really good. And I'm like, I just, I don't get it. I've never understood it. Usually, I think when people go after somebody like that, uh, oh, you only got your job because you're good looks or, you know, whatever. I I tend to think it's because their own insecurities, you know, they're insecure in themselves. And so, you know, then they find some reason to attack somebody else. It's, you know, typical bullying. 
is what it is. But yeah, just I've I've never never understood that, and I'm waiting for a good explanation. I think will probably are, never come. <laughs> yeah, I think there are two factors here. First of all, uh, we like to think that somehow in IT, because we deal with uh, advanced stuff and advanced technologies, that we are somehow ourselves more advanced. And the fact is that very often we're not. Uh, it's just like regular people. And unfortunately, regular people are often uh, bigoted and not nice and, and have prejudices, etc. And I think that in particular, for various minorities, it's especially challenging in the IT field because the IT field has historically been associated with a particular type of people, like fairly young, white guys. Uh, and, and if you don't fall into in any of these categories because maybe you're not white or you're not a guy or you're not young, then uh, it's, it's more challenging, I think. I'm kind of curious. I have a, a question for Laura. And like totally say too, like if, you know, um, you know, you don't like feel like you want to answer a question or, or it be the right question, um, you can totally pass too. But, um, you know, I received advice like when I first got into it and I definitely like took that to heart. But I'm curious if you feel like you've been able to be yourself or if there are like parts of your personality um, that you've kind of, uh, like for lack of better words, hidden or uh, or stuff like that to try to fit a more acceptable mold? Yeah, I, I think um, I'm a very honest person. So um, I, I will likely answer most questions. So you're okay. Yes. So because I'm this open person and I'm very straightforward, um, I never change myself depending on a scenario or a situation. So, and I wonder if that's how I've connected with such a large audience in, in a small time is by being so genuine and um, honest about the type of person I am. I'm certainly not scared or, or I don't want to hide away or try to fit in. And um, that's never been me. And I think Overall, everyone has been really welcoming and supportive of that. And nobody has advised me otherwise, other than somebody who tried the other day. But yeah, <laughs> that's I, why we're talking about it now. <laughs> I say that because I know like um, the advice that I received was, you know, to try to dress pretty much like non-attractive, you know, wear T-shirts, wear looser jeans, you know, wear flats, tennis shoes, keep your hair up don't wear makeup um and it wasn't until like later in my career that I decided to you know dress up a little bit as I was speaking or something like that um I'm naturally more of like the athletic kind of person so it wasn't too far of a stretch but even like we were talking about before we got on the call and Dan made a comment about my camera being at a weird angle like I purposely still to this day like try to blend in as much as I can um yeah I don't know maybe not as much as I used to but like I, I have my camera up more around my neck so that if I'm having like a V-neck on or something like that, like I don't have a bra strap showing or, you know, anything, you know, potentially a, a wardrobe malfunction or something like that. So, um, but if I was like on a call with my friend, you know, I'm going to obviously not want to like expose anything crazy, but I'm going to be a little less cautious. Like if I go to the gym, like, you know, my sports bra might be showing or something. Yeah, that that's just crazy to me. And, and I 
I don't want it to be that way for people. So I, I don't think I'll be doing that unless, you know, it's a specific request from an employer. Um, but yeah, I think we need to normalize it, you know, you know, wardrobe malfunctions and all, maybe not the worst of them, but a little bit. Yeah, I see what you're saying. <laughs> shouldn't be a problem. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, it's it. we have a benefit in our fields that we don't have to dress up. In fact, very often we tend to dress down in this industry. So it seems to me that everybody should be should feel comfortable about dressing the way that they find the most comfortable. Just seems obvious to me. One thing that I wanted to ask you, which kind of uh, veers us away a little bit. So when you got into tech, when you chose tech, you also chose front end. Why is that? Is that just because that was the the obvious choice or the easiest choice, or were you specifically attracted to front end development? What what brought you here? Um, I think I'm still undecided on that. I'm very lucky in that I'm still very early days in in my career, so I can afford to still be undecided. I think I I really like front end because I love the creativity. Um, and it goes with sort of um, my my design skills that I learned in college. Um, but also, I'm really open to to back end. Um, at the moment in in boot camp, we're on week three and we're doing DOM manipulation this week. So we've done HTML, CSS, JavaScript. So we're still on front end, um, and I'm quite looking forward to to learning more about the back end. Because who knows, I could I could change my mind. But at the moment, definitely leaning towards the creativity of, of front end. What will your back end be? I'm curious, like what people are doing now. Um, see, we haven't had like an official syllabus, if you like. So I believe it's Python and Ruby. Okay. Oh, so you're doing both. That's cool. Yes. I might even say that it's a little bit even needless. <laughs> Choose one or the other. <laughs> yes. Yep. Too bad we don't have AJ here to say that you should be using Go, Go. or something. <laughs> yeah. Or, or no, the, the advantage, well, it's an, it's an interesting question at, uh, at this early stage. And to be honest, I'm, I'm a bit undecided on that, whether or not it's uh, beneficial to focus on a particular programming language and, uh, learn, and learn that language as much as possible, especially given that JavaScript is a multi-paradigmatic programming language, or that it's actually beneficial to study as I said, two or maybe even three programming languages and then uh, gain broader experience of how uh, the programming field looks like. Yeah, and I think that's the whole sort of boot camp idea, if you like, because they are so short and you've got a lot of knowledge squeezed into a time. They're saying, you know, we're not going to teach you the ins and outs of a language. We're going to teach you how to learn. And so I think that's actually the, the more important thing is to change your mindset so that you've got a growth mindset and also how you might go about learning a new language so that it opens you up to learn anything in the future. How long is this boot camp supposed to be? Uh, so it's 12 weeks with two weeks career support at the end of that 12 weeks. And how many hours? Uh, uh, sorry, Amy, I just wanted to like grasp the, the scope. How many days a week? How many hours a day? 
Yeah, so we do Monday to Friday, 9.30 till around 4.30. Sometimes it goes on till 5. And then you're expected to do, I'd say, probably two to three hours homework in the evenings. Um, And then you get weekend homework, which is slightly longer. How would you say, I'm, you know, I haven't really talked to anybody outside of the US, but you mentioned like career prep and stuff like that. How do you feel like the market is for junior developers right now? in other parts of the world? Like how is it specifically by you? I think it's okay at the moment. I mean, I've been talking to a talent acquisition specialist in the US who was trying to contact their UK team in order to get me to speak to one of the hiring managers in the UK. But they're saying that they've got a, a hiring freeze Obviously, we are in a recession in the UK, so that's going to make things harder. I think it's a case of now there are there's still a lot of jobs, but there's more people going for those jobs. But I think definitely there was during lockdown, there was a bit of a slower moving recruitment process for previous bootcamp grads, but they've definitely seen improvements in the last couple of months. So I'm just hoping by the time I finish, recruitment will be back in full swing. One thing that I can comment in this context is something that I'm seeing from the perspective of my employer, which is Wix, is that the current situation with COVID and whatnot is pushing a lot of businesses online. As a result, a lot of businesses are either establishing an online presence or revamping their online presence, enhancing their online presence, adding e-commerce capabilities, etc. And this does create opportunities in our field, even if the market as a whole, as you said, is in uh, something of a recession. So that's something that may play in your favor. Yeah, definitely. I think my mom and dad were really worried because I quit a reasonably well-paying job in order to attend boot camp and they were sort of saying yeah but you do realize you know COVID and recession and everybody's out of work and I said but that's pushing everybody online and remote working and so they need IT professionals and I think it's still going to be sought after because more companies are going to be looking for more ways to work better remotely. As I said, uh, I definitely agree with that. And in fact, I actually see that in practice. As I said, uh, my employer, Wix, is actually, you know, f- from, for, for us, it's, it's literally the best it's ever been from a financial and business perspective. You know, as much as I can say, you know, no investment advice or whatever, but, uh, but we're doing really well. And it's, it's, an, it's, and it's exactly because of uh, this this thing that is pushing businesses to be more online. So I wanted to ask, so you were describing a very full, very aggressive workload. I mean, you're talking about what is it, essentially nine hours a day, excluding the homework, plus home, uh, homework, uh, more homework on the weekends. That's pretty intense. How are you holding up? Yeah, it's, it's intense. I mean, yesterday around nine o'clock, PM, I wanted to launch my laptop out of the window, but I managed to hold it together and and get what I was working on working. So yeah, it it's tough, but I have cleared my schedule of all other things so that I have less to stress about. And I think 
they are very good at saying, you know, we don't want you to spend your life doing homework. If you at least make an attempt on it, then that's, that makes us feel comfortable that you're trying and and maybe, you know, you're learning the concept. You're just not quite getting there 100%, but you will pick it up. And as with the weekend homework, they said, just make sure you have at least one day where you do no computer work whatsoever. I think this weekend was optional homework. So that was nice. I had a code-free weekend, which I've not had in about three, four months. So yeah, totally alien at the moment. Any advice that you can give, Amy, about this? (laughs) Yeah, so for me, I don't know. It was kind of all out 100% of the time. But that's a little bit my personality too. I... <laughs> I don't I'm not good at breaks and rest. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same and so I've really had to force myself to to take it easy rather than going all out at the moment while that, I'm oh, learning sorry. uh learning concepts that I've previously gone over on my own. It's quite nice to take it that bit easier and and then the real work starts once they introduce new concepts. Yeah, that said, or, you know, I've said before, like hammock driven development, just kind of stepping away and letting your brain rest, you know, you can kind of solve things in the background. And and then, you know, too, if you do feel like you can keep going like things like maybe you're doing review type stuff, like, you know, instead of using like an editor, use BIM or something like that to kind of, I don't know keep keep it challenging even though if if you're doing review is that the kind of advice you're meaning dan <laughs> well i don't know my, my background is very different as i think you know i will say though that some of my best programming i've done in, in the shower <laughs> yep yep so yeah so stepping away can definitely help a lot occasionally and some of my arguments with amy over the years have been that she needs to step <laughs> away from development more than she does I do think, though, Laura, that you're definitely at a different stage of your career. I do think that you're at the stage where you do need to push yourself, obviously not burn out and not get to the point where you're starting to dislike this new field that you're getting into, but, but definitely you do need to push yourself, I think. Yeah, definitely. I think it's all, um, it's all balanced. You know, I... I When I was self-teaching and I was still working full time, I was writing like one blog post a week. I was making videos and I did come close to to burnout and I just felt really miserable for, for about a week. So I think I've recognized in myself when I need to take a break and and it's just making sure that I look after myself as well as work hard. And you're studying remotely, right? Especially given the current situation. Yeah, so it's it's Zoom. So we're on Zoom all day, except for one hour for lunch and little 15 minute breaks here and there. But there's there's 23 of us in the class and we all sit on Zoom with the tutor and two teaching assistants. And then sort of we do 45 minute lessons and then we have a lab where we are put into breakout rooms and then we work in pairs or threes to to sort of come up with a solution to a problem. Have you ever wondered if you could be offering a faster, less buggy experience for your customers? I mean, let's face it, the only way you're going to know that is by actually running it 
on production. So go figure it out, right? You run it on production, but you need something plugged in so that you can find out where those issues are, where it's slowing down, where it's having bugs. You just, you need something like that there. And Raygun is awesome at this. They, they just added the performance monitoring, which is really slick and it works like a breeze. I, I just, I love it. I love it. It's like, it's like you get the ray gun and you zap the bugs. It's anyway, definitely go check it out. It's going to save you a ton of time, a ton of money, a ton of sanity. I mean, let, let's face it. Grepping through logs is no fun and having people not able to tell you that it's too slow because they got sidetracked into Twitter is also not fun. So go check out Raygun. They are definitely going to help you out. There are thousands of customer-centric, customer-focused software companies who use Raygun every day to deliver great experiences for their customers. And if you go to Raygun and use our link, you can get a 14-day free trial. So you can go check that out at javascriptjabber.com slash Raygun. I do think that the challenge with the remote working and it, uh, remote studying, actually, what I wanted to say, although I guess it's also true for remote working, and it doesn't really matter whether it's a boot camp or colleges, a college, because I know that a lot of colleges have started to do now remote working, uh, studying as well because of the situation. I think that the lack of face to face camaraderie that you can share your experiences, not just in the context of the classroom, but, you know, walking into the classroom or out of the classroom or, or sitting outside or whatever, eating lunch and sharing the challenges uh, is something that is missing in, in, this, uh, in this type of, of a learning experience. Yeah, we were commenting on it just the other day, actually, and saying how sad it is that, you know, when we take lunch, everybody just disappears off to go and get their lunch. They don't sit down and and get to know one another. You know, they need a break away from the from the screen. But that also means that we're not socializing with each other. And I think that's that's really missing. But for me personally, I I really love being at home. I'm a bit of a home bird, so I, I really enjoy being in my own space and being able to, I guess, learn at my own pace because I don't feel, I feel like the pressure is off with Zoom rather than being in class and not understanding something. That might sound a bit strange, but I definitely feel like it's more comfortable for me working remotely. And when you do run into a concept or problem or something like that which you find difficult to grasp or comprehend what do you do how do you go about it how do you break through perseverance like we were saying before taking a break just going for a wonder because sometimes the solution can come to you the the teaching assistants are really good they are boot camp grads if you like who who went through the last cohort so they're on board to support the tutor and you can get hold of them on slack so if you get really stuck they are on hand um like even at nine o'clock last night when I wanted to cry so that's good but yeah it is breaking down the problem I think and console logging everything because JavaScript for me is is still really tough in knowing whether what I'm trying to do is actually ever going to work. So definitely just console log everything and and hope for the best. So what did you get stuck on last night at nine? 
It was a soundboard or like a drum kit. And when you clicked a particular div, a sound played. So I got to a point where the same sound was playing no matter which div I clicked. And I couldn't get my head around how to almost like loop through the audio file so that a different audio file was linked to a different div. In the end, it turned out that you needed to create a template literal of the target ID and the ID contained the last part of the audio file and so therefore every time that div was collected it, it completed the audio file source and the audio played so yeah that's that's what I got stuck on. So I'm glad that you managed to to work your way through it kind of reminds me of something that happened to somebody that I knew actually in the university where we were tasked with uh, implementing a calculator in assembly language. And uh, due to a bug uh, that he had, whatever, regardless of whatever input was provided, it always outputted uh, zero. So when he handed over the exercise, the examples that he handed over were three minus three, two times zero, and four plus, plus minus four, something like that. Unfortunately for him, the, the, the examiner actually noticed the bug. So, so yeah, it didn't help. But, but yeah, breaking through challenges and breaking through bugs is our bread and butter. It is what we do throughout our entire career. I'm curious on the front end side, are you using a framework? Or are they doing just vanilla JavaScript and how deeply they get into that? Yeah, so at the moment, we have just done vanilla JavaScript. So last week we worked through functions, arrays, um, objects and classes. So we spend about one day on each subject, if you like. So one day on arrays, one day on functions. And that's, you know, class work and labs as well. And then this week, it's all about DOM manipulation so yesterday we did like an intro to dom and dom events and then today we've been doing like time intervals and timeouts and and set intervals and i think we're going to move on to frameworks like later on in the course do you know are they doing react view i think it's react okay sounds about right yeah i just want to say that almost any problem in javascript can be solved with a set timeout zero (laughs) <laughs> please no <laughs> <laughs> okay I'll remember please that one. <laughs> one one tick of the please, event loop please don't <laughs> <laughs> yeah one tick of the event loop all you need <laughs> I was I, I was mostly kidding yeah so I, I'm curious do you have any written material or online documentation I mean when you study a particular concept is there do- a documentation uh, that you go back to to review if you need to How does it work? Yeah, so we have a GitHub Enterprise account. So it's like a special private GitHub for General Assembly. And all of the classwork and homework is done with sort of pull requests and things like that. And there are also textbooks, which you can access through the GitHub as well. So they're all basically readmes. And then the in-lecture, if you like, the tutor will go through a concept, he'll code it out and talk through how it works. 
And then he shares that code into the classwork folder. And then you pull that down from, from GitHub onto, onto your machine. And so you have that to work from. And then the lab is related to that. So the lab that we do, which are the, the activities, they're always like a little bit more complex than, than what was gone over in class. And you have to use, you know, a conjunction of the classwork, the textbook and Google or your own knowledge to, to solve that sort of lab. Was there an assumption ahead of the course that you're familiar with Git or GitHub, or was that something that they actually taught you at the beginning? No, that's why I really liked General Assembly, because I found that other boot camps that I applied for, their application or their sort of entry requirements were were much harder and it felt like I had to basically teach myself JavaScript before I'd even paid for the course whereas with GA they started everything from the very basics and in the pre-course material that we had to work on before the course started there was um, a whole module on Git and GitHub and then we went through it in class as well on our first day and so for the first sort of week they were we submitted our homework as a group to make sure that we were comfortable with with how that worked another thing that they went through in a lot of detail is using the terminal as well because i know that that's quite a challenge or it certainly was for me yeah we're all i mean most users are just used these days to drag and drop i guess and a windowed interface and less to using it for uh, using a terminal and what were you what are you using as the as the ide or development environment or editor or whatever uh, so we're using visual visual studio code um, which I was using myself anyway for sort of personal projects. So that's nice because I, I know how how it works. Um, but also we did on the, I think it was the first afternoon, we did what was called Install Fest. And it was basically we went through and installed all the things like VS Code and, and Git and stuff like that. And basically got it all set up and they told us extensions that they wanted us to download and some other bits that I still can't comprehend what we actually did but they they guided you through it all and and so now it's the linter is how they want it and all sorts and they tell you what extensions to install at particular points to make your make your life easier and what are you using as a web server? Is it just like a GitHub Pages or whatever it's called or something else? Do you, do you know? No, we haven't moved on to that yet. So from Thursday this week is our first project. Um, and then we'll be using GitHub Pages. And I think there's another one. See, I use Netlify, but they mentioned another sort of hosting service that we'll use later in the course. But for this project project one will be using github pages yeah if you're using github it makes sense and how's it going so far for you you enjoying it is it what you expected it to be is it easier or more difficult than you expected yeah i'm really loving it so far i think for me because i did the sort of three to four months beforehand where I was learning myself I was getting up at five in the morning and I was coding through to nine o'clock when I started work and then I code through my lunch hour and then I would code in the evening until bedtime so it's given me like some more free time I think because I'm coding all day and I feel like I'm working towards making my 
my dream a reality. So yeah, I'm loving it. I'm loving being able to sort of bounce ideas off of other people as well. Because I think learning on your own can get really lonely sometimes. If you can't quite grasp a concept and the explanation on Google is not quite good enough, you're sort of stuck. And I ended up having to go to Twitter, whereas now I've got people that I can sort of write to and say, oh, hey, how does this work? I think so far it's been less intense than I was expecting. I expected it to be extremely stressful from day one, but I can see now it's it's ramping up, like the homeworks are getting slightly longer, slightly more complicated. Um, but yeah definitely loving it and and it is the best choice I've ever made so yeah you have the best attitude I'm so happy to hear that it's going well for you you seem like positive you don't seem like you know phased at all by anything so it's good to hear thank you I have I have a cat going nuts in the background (laughs) (laughs) don't worry it's usually my dogs so we're lucky today (laughs) I think um I think it's really important to have the right attitude about because sort of early on when I moved to to JavaScript the first time I really struggled on my own and I almost gave up I spent about a week sort of wallowing in self-pity so definitely changing my attitude and looking at it more as an opportunity has really helped and there's sort of a I think it's a video that you're asked to watch before boot camp about having a growth mindset rather than a a fixed mindset where you believe that you were only good at something if you are naturally skilled and I think that really helped as well I love that that's kind of the the mindset that that Katrina Owen that I spoke about earlier had and it it really helped me because I always thought you know I wasn't good enough smart enough which you know probably contributed to uh, my you know hours put in and probably still does to this day but you know I enjoy it too so it's a balance but yeah I, I love that mindset I really do think anybody can do it and just in case anybody is not aware Amy is an international keynote speaker about software stuff these days yeah at least when people can travel <laughs> I never thought I'd miss it but I actually do I miss it a lot with all you know, there's, there are all the online conferences, but it's just not the same thing. Anyway, so you were talking about how beneficial it is that you're able to learn in a group and get support when you're stuck from, uh, you said, uh, instructors and instructor assistants. And, and I definitely agree that that's, that that's a really important thing because I do think that one, I think we also spoke about it with uh, Danny Thompson when he was on, on the show because he also start, started studying on his own. And, and I do think, agree that it's a really big challenge to over, when you, at least certainly when you're starting to uh, learn and grasp uh, new concepts when you've got nobody to consult with. And you said that you found a lot of assistance on Twitter. So I, I think that's excellent. That's one of the better uses of Twitter that I've heard so far. Yeah, I love that about Twitter. I think there's a few of my projects which I could call joint efforts with the Twitter community because uh, I would get stuck. And as I say, I, I haven't got any sort of friends who developers and the only network I sort of knew was Twitter. And so, and I, I'm not shy 
in asking for help. So I just thought, you know, what's the worst that could happen? Um, and people are so helpful. Um, and I think it also shows that there's never one solution to a problem because everybody who commented would would say something different and I'm sure they would all work. But yeah, it, it's really great to be able to have that support and be able to resolve the issue rather than getting down in the dumps and and not being able to finish the project. I'm also really happy that you're documenting your journey both on Twitter and in in a blog and also in videos. I think I think from what I've seen it it was really helpful for you yourself and and it's certainly encouraging to other people out there who are in similar situations. How did you start uh, going about that? I'm going to add, it's quite brave, especially, I don't know, for me, I'm terrified of the videos. So. Yeah, so I think i start by saying that before Twitter, I was terrified of social media as a whole. And it was only through sort of doing the 100 Days of Code and reaching out to people on there, my, I sort of built that confidence. I started first blogging about well, it was topics that I found really challenging that I felt like weren't explained properly anywhere. And I wanted to put them in a no jargon way. So my first one was on Git and GitHub. And I think that did really well because all of the guides that you see are sort of bitty. You know, they're like, oh, they start in the middle. They say CD to the correct directory. And you're like, I don't, you've lost me already. And that's like the first line of the of the tutorial really so my I I started with those guys I wrote a few of those and then I think people got to know me through my writing and they wanted to learn more about my journey so that was a really tough one to write the first one because I, I don't like writing about myself but also another thing that people had commented on on my blog post was that you know they're not readers they would much rather the content in a video and so I thought with my journey that was a really good one because I could do a sort of longer version on the blog and then a shorter version on the video and I just thought I'd give it a go yeah I enjoyed it I still get a bit nervous sitting in front of the camera but I do manage to you know talk through things on my own which is which is good and also documenting my journey through boot camp I think there's nothing you know people document it and it gets and it gets a bit lost so I wanted to create a you know a a channel if you like where people could go and they could see what a day at boot camp is like and really learn what it's like and what it's going to entail because I think you know what boot camp should be like but not what it's actually like and you can speak to people um you know alumni and stuff and they'll say oh yeah it's really good we did this that and the other but not how the course is structured or anything like that and that's what I really want to sort of cover I want to be able to if people are considering it I want to encourage them to do it because it is just massive for me personally yeah cool like I said I found your videos and, and also your tweets and your blogs to be inspirational so good for you for doing all of that and and I and I really think that you know we had Murad on our uh, on our show a couple of episodes back talking about uh, building our personal brand and and I do think that this will actually help you in your career if, even 
even being on the air and saying something like, I don't know this yet, I'm studying this. You know, some people might think that that's not a good thing because you're admitting ignorance about certain topics. And I wholeheartedly disagree with that attitude. I think that by putting yourselves out there in this way, you're, you're building your brand as somebody who's uh, learning and advancing themselves. I think that this is something that people, at least, you know, the type of people that you want to work for and work with are looking for in, in people in, in tech. And I do think that this you will you will find this helpful in your career. Yeah, I hope so. And um, we had a similar discussion at bootcamp the other day. So every other Thursday, I think, is we have an outcome session, and they're the teams that help you in being like job ready. They tell you to you know build your personal brand statement, get LinkedIn and Twitter like working for you. And one of the the girls at Bootcamp sort of commented, um, you know, I, I feel like a fraud when I share things on, on social media because I don't know about the subject. And, I, you know, because I've, I've had some success with it, I, I sort of said, well, you know, that's how I felt too, but just don't think of it in that way and think of it as in I'm doing this for myself and also it might help just one other person. And that's, I think, really important when when you're speaking you know even if it just inspires one person that's that's enough awesome laura is there anything before we wrap up that you would want to share or i guess you know good ways for people to follow you and then we'll we'll move into pics sure so i'm most active on twitter which is at laura c harvey i'm also on linkedin which you can get through my twitter as well so yeah that's all i want to say Thanks. Awesome. Well, I'm sure I know I do, and I'm sure the rest of us all wish you like the absolute best of luck, and we'll be excited to or excited to see what all you do. Thank you, and thanks for having me. Totally. Hey, folks. This is Charles Maxwood, and over the last few years, I've gotten to know a lot of great people within the Microsoft community, and specifically in the .NET area. Uh, one of our guests from JavaScript Jabber. Sean Clabo actually reached out to me and said he wanted to start a show on .NET. And there are a ton of people out there that I feel like sometimes get neglected in the .NET space. So if you're one of those folks, uh, you've been listening to maybe one or two of the other .NET focused or Microsoft focused podcasts for a while and thought, well, where's the devchat.tv style podcast for me in .NET? You can find it. It's at adventuresin.net.net is spelled out D-O-T-N-E-T. Adventuresin.net.com. Go check it out today. Dan, you want to go first? Okay. So we were talking about uh, technical Twitter, and Laura mentioned how helpful it was for her. I actually want to highlight both the good side and the bad side of technical Twitter. So I'll actually start with the good side. I learned something new about JavaScript today, and not uh, a totally new feature that's only going to be part of JavaScript like in uh, two or three years but something that you can already do in Chrome. Last uh, week, we were talking about things that the JavaScript developers must know, and we argued about regular expressions. And I learned something about regular expressions uh, today from Ken C. Dodds, who's, got, who's on Twitter and who is awesome. And the thing that I learned was uh, something called named groups in regular expressions. It turned out that in, in regular expressions, you can uh, put things in parentheses, and they're ma- and it's called uh, groups, and they get, can get match or submatches, and they are usually 
listed as, as RA entries on, or sort of like RA entry on the return match value if it's not null. And it turns out that you can actually assign names to them and then the, you can look at the match.groups dot whatever the name is and get that submatch. It's totally awesome having things named rather than looking at them via just their, you know, whatever happens to be their, in the, their index or location within that regular expression makes everything much more readable. It's excellent. I'll actually share the link to this tweet on the show notes. And, and like I said, I really love it when I learn something totally new for me about JavaScript. So that's the good part. The not so good part uh, is that you do need to be careful when you're learning stuff or taking technical information off of Twitter, because sometimes people just post things that are just wrong. Uh, and I don't think that they're necessarily doing it intentionally. It's just that they may not know any better. Recently, I'm not going to name names or share link, a link to that, but someone uh, tweeted a list of answers to a JavaScript interview questions, a whole thread about it, and it got hundreds of likes and retweets. And unfortunately, like it was full of wrong information. And I'm just, you know, it's so sad that people will be taking information off of this thread and using this in interviews and potentially missing out because uh, they're just getting wrong information uh, off of Twitter. So going back to that Ken C. Dodds example, so obviously Ken C. Dodds is an excellent source for JavaScript information and anything that you get from him is going to be correct. But even then, after I saw his example, I actually opened up JavaScript console and typed it in myself just to verify that it worked and that I understood. And then I went into the MDN and looked it up and read the documentation. And if, if I uh, think about using it in a, in a project, then I'll probably also look at can I use or something like that just to verify how widely supported it is and that I can actually use it. So even though technical Twitter is awesome and excellent, do be careful and do verify the technical content that you're getting off of it. So those would be my picks. Yeah, that's probably true for any type of technical information you get off the internet, whether even you know Stack Exchange, Stack Overflow, Twitter, you name your source. When anybody can put it out there, then you, you generally need to verify it anyway. Oh, I totally Not agree. Just Twitter. I totally agree with, with what you said. I actually, that was one of the things that I wrote in response to that thread that you need to verify anything that you get off of the internet. That said, I think that certain platforms are more conductive to, to better critique of information. So if you put something incorrect on Stack Overflow, it will likely get voted down. Or people will point out the mistake. And Twitter, it's just because of the way that it works, doesn't really work this way. So, so you do need to be especially extra careful with something like Twitter. So that concludes my part. So I think that Amy has a bit of a cat emergency. So Steve, how about you go with your pick for picks? Mm, believe it or not, I've been so heads down. I don't know if I have a pick <laughs> this week. So yeah, oh, I think no. I'm going to pass for this week. Oh, no. Yeah. Such is my life. <laughs> well, if you've got a busy life, that's you know, that's 
Well, I don't know if it's always a good thing, but it's uh, it's better than the alternative. I can, I can go ahead with mine really quickly. I'm <laughs> sorry if I'm out of breath. <laughs> I was racing back. Thank God for Bluetooth headphones. Let's see. Uh, AJ popped in really quickly for a second, and he wanted me to pick Go Releaser, which looks pretty cool. So I will drop a link for that. And then my other pick, as I try to catch my breath, is... Uh, so this is probably obviously more for U.S. people, but I wouldn't be surprised if some of these companies open up, you know, to remote people. But uh, it's a blog post I saw on Hacker News this morning about all the Midwestern cities in the United States that are hiring, some of like the top cities. So, uh, you know, traditionally we think of like Silicon Valley, New York, San Francisco, or, uh, New York, Chicago, which Chicago is on this list, but some others as well. That'll be it for me. Laura, do you want to go? I'm not sure I have anything. How about you share the links to your blog post and to your YouTube channel? Okay, I will share those. Awesome. Thank you so much. I guess we will wrap it up and we'll see everybody next week. And thank you again so much for coming on. I hope that uh, we can stay in touch and see how things are going for you. Yeah, definitely. Um, that would be great. And thank you again so much for having me. Bye. Bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.